Hello and welcome to the Sky Fantasy Football Podcast. Paul, we're back. Um, how was your summer, Daddy? <laughs> yeah, birth of a little girl four weeks ago. So, you know, different summer to, to many previous. You know, quite glad for the, for the break from football, to be honest. Indeed. How have, how have you been um, spent? Are you, are you sweltering? T- 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 I, I'm absolutely sw- sweltered today, Paul, I must say. I've had to bring a hanky. It's, we need um temperature check around the country. So I'm in South Wales at the moment and I am uh I think I'm at thirty one degrees, which doesn't seem a lot, but I am tucked up in an attic. How is it um in Hibernian? <laughs> in Hibernian. Uh, yeah, Dunfermline. Dun- Dunfermline, not Hibernian. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Dunfermline. <laughs> oh good, oh good. Uh, that's thirty one here as well. So yeah, pretty uh Pretty toxic weather for, for us northerners. I've seen in London it's 36 and tomorrow it's going to be about 39. It's going to be absolutely crazy. Um, just to say before we start, um, I've uh, banged the machine. I'm trying to get everything working as quickly as as, as well as possible. I am having some uh, lagging issues. Uh, so if it does lag for 10 or 20 seconds, please try and hold on if you can because it does come back. Uh, but but yes, yeah, blown off the dust um, off the laptop, got everything set up with some lag. I don't know if it's the heat or so, you know, or some other stuff, but it is lagging a bit on my side. We'll try our best to carry on. Uh, Lewis says Manchester, thirty-six degrees. Checking in. Please let us know in the chat how hot it is where you are. Um, it, w- it would be a, a really good uh, starting point for for the season. Uh, just quickly before we start, um, Fancy Football Hub. You can join now for fifty percent off. Uh, and you also get your money back if you don't win your FPL mini league. So check out our site now if you haven't already for all our amazing fantasy football resources and the T's and C's for the money back offer. So Sky, Sky FF, Paul, um, what are we looking at today? Uh, first of all, three big changes for the 2022-23 season. So uh, we've got 50 transfers instead of the usual 40. Got one overhaul instead of two overhauls, and that'll happen between the, at the World Cup. So that's from Sunday the 13th of November to Monday the 26th of December. Um, there'll be unlimited transfers in that period of time. And no man of the matches. So those often disputed man of the matches given by reporters, often backdated, changed, updated, that's completely gone now. There's nothing, nothing there to replace that. What are your thoughts overall, Paul, on the game? Because I must say, very quickly, I'm incredibly excited because at first, when I was looking at it at first, I was feeling a bit, oh, you know, you know, change, change. I'm not sure about change. But you know what? I think the unlimited um, transfer, the overhaul um, during the World Cup of 50 transfers, I think is an incredibly good balance because I live the Telegraph game as you do. Um, and I think it lends itself more to that, more that, that season-long strategic play rather than just these you know four weeks eight weeks um you know eight or ten weeks at the end I th- I'm really excited for the season I think it's gonna be brilliant I think it's, it's almost like a brand new game that you could like I, w- I was thinking about it and if I could design a game this would be how I think it would look and bear in mind Sky has got the best gameplay as well um how are you feeling about it yeah I'm, pr- I'm pretty happy I, I would still prefer no overhauls, uh, 40 transfers. But, I, I mean, I'm more happy with 50 and 1 than I am with 40 and 2 yeah. at the stages they were at yeah. last season. I just think that the template formed 
really quickly. The building of teams were four game weeks. I'm not I'm not overly keen on. Um, it was always at the first international break, which was after four game weeks uh, for the first overhaul. So yeah, I, I wasn't overly keen. And I, I think you're right. It does lend itself to changing up tactics slightly. Um, we've been overly cautious on on transfer on using transfers before. Yeah. We've obviously averages out more at kind of 1.2, 1.3 transfers per game week now. So um, definitely uh, allows for deploying different tactics. We have seen that over the last couple of seasons, though, with COVID and stuff. Um, I changed the way that I started playing Sky a little bit. Um, I was often a person that was planning six, seven game weeks in advance, and, and that had ultimately changed. And I think this is going to change again. Really interesting. Um, before we look at and you know chat about transfer strategy, let's get on to the really important stuff. Um, ben McCrum says it's a cool 29 in Belfast. Uh, Liam says it's 30 in Ireland, rain on the way tomorrow. Tom says 34 in Bristol. Phil says 33 in Berry, about to go and play seven aside. Good luck with that. Uh, Red Mist Red, first time live. Great to have you with us. Dan Cox says Norwich 37. He's trumped everyone so far. Ian says 36 in rugby. Uh, kicking up dust. Aberdeenshire 32. It's boiling. I bet you're melting there. Uh, Sean Gannon 35. Uh, Matt Woolley 30.7 in Southwest Devon. Uh, welcome one and welcome all. Great to have you back with us. And Mad Chester says yes, definitely welcome the rule changes. So just in terms of. Um, transfer strategy we we had a million questions right we're not going to be able to to kind of run through them all because we'll be here all night but what are your kind of initial thoughts of transfer strategy Paul because I think um, you know it's I, th- I think it's about 17 weeks worth of games and then 21 after so if you kind of prorated that you know say it would be I don't know maybe 21 and 29 potentially or something along those yeah. lines would that be the way you would kind of look to play this or would you look to play it a bit more like standard TFF where you would only look to probably use maybe 10 or 15 and then really, really attack the second half of the season? Yeah, so I'm, I'm thinking of a simple goal mentioned this um, in his questions and then it was asked, asked elsewhere. But I'm thinking of playing relatively aggressive to start with um, as in get, get two or three weeks worth of data, rejig my team to the team that I, I want then, um, plus you get like a fixture a fixture swing at that point in time, then try and sit out transfers for a little period um, and then use some in the middle and then again not use many just before the World Cup. So I'm thinking, I think you're right, um, there's 16 game weeks prior to World Cup and uh, 22 afterwards, so that's what... 42%, so 21 transfers. I think if I got to the World Cup with kind of 18 transfers used, somewhere around that, kind of, kind of high teens, I think I'd be pretty happy. And that's that's my current rough plan of where we're going. Okay. If we look at um, at some players then, you know, we just talk about um, strategies that impact on certain players. You asked me to bring yeah. up uh, Salah, KDB and Gallagher. So what are you thinking with these players? Yeah, so I'd mentioned scrapping the man of the match is, uh, this season. So um, if anyone's using a points uh, points per million metric to try and understand value in players and how that would then fit into a value team this season, these are the three players that picked up the most man of the match awards last okay. season. So Salah picked up 10, so thir- like three points per man of the match, 30 points. KDB and Gallagher both picked up eight man of the matches, so 24 points. Um, I often think that these players 
are captained as well. So you're doubling those man of the match points. So you're effectively you're effectively doubling your 30 points from Salah to 60 points. Um, don't tend to fit that into the models. And there's that balance of ownership, high explosiveness against value as well. Um, I, I'd seen a couple of questions about Salah and whether or not I would go the, season, the start of the season without him. Um, uh, on my lunch, I checked uh, the update, like the score updates, and Fulham at full strength were getting beat three 0 off someone at half time. I think it was Real Betis. Liverpool play Fulham on the on the opening day of the season. Uh, I didn't have him when he got the hat trick against Leeds on the opening day of the season two or three years ago. Um, I just think that's that's definitely not something that I would consider based on the way that the way that I play the game and with the additional transfers this season that if I didn't think that Salah was value or that I was going to captain him for the stretch, then I'd happily take him out. But since I think he will be the, the most highest captain on that first weekend, then yeah, I'll definitely start with him. It's really interesting because for players like, you know, Salah, Kane, Haaland, say, and, and all these sorts of players, it does have the potential to knock six points of every time and make it not such a scary prospect as going without them. So if we yeah. just say, you know, Salah needs two goals to score what they, that that would be 15 points with um tier 2 shots bonus which is probably the max he could get in a game if he scored a brace you know he, he doesn't he doesn't tremendously often score you know score a brace he did it the first half of last season definitely not in the second but 15 points um I do wonder if you could you know offset that against going with a van dyke for 10 who will you know Van Dyke will score ten more than Salah will score fifteen, right? Over the season, that you know that that goes without saying. And I think with that in mind, I think this is something I'm, I'm kind of looking at my strategy, you know. And you know, and obviously, uh, we would all love to have Salah, Haaland, and maybe Kane or Son or whatever else. But I am wondering whether they're kind of big at the back, uh, you, you know. Again, for those who are um, watching and listening, don't play the Telegraph game. The telegraph game is all around the value at the back. The only difference between the two games now uh, are the shots bonus and tackle bonus, really, aren't they? Uh, um, you know, as in it is as a massive impact. Captaincy, captaincy, and captaincy, yeah. and captaincy. But, but as I say, for a striker to score a couple of goals, um, it doesn't happen tremendously often. What is, what's your thinking on that now in terms of these premium strikers? So, yeah. So, so my thought is that if I go through a period of time, so. So I will start with Salah or, uh, you know, providing any last minute information that he's not going to be available or not. Um, but if there's a period of time where I'm not going to captain Salah, I'd be more inclined to transfer him out for another player, gain a game, gain a captaincy somewhere, run three or four games without without him, knowing that I wasn't going to captain him in that period of time anyway, and then perhaps switch back to him. Whereas... Yeah. I'd be less. I'd be less inclined to do that in previous seasons. I think. Yeah, I think this. I was looking at the kind of premium spots in terms of team structure. You know, I think we. I think we mentioned at the end of last year. We say at the end of every season how team structure and price points are probably the most important thing we need to kind of focus on. And I, I think. I think I've identified. Sorry, I identified. Can probably get three premium price points across the um, across the team. If I get four, all of a sudden it gets it gets quite tight. I'm even talking about you know Van Dyke. Cancelo, Salah, and either one of Haaland or Kane, for example, or you know a son. Yeah. Even having just those four gets quite tight because it means you can't have 
Laporte and you premium keeper and you know you you're really kind of digging deep then for these six million enablers and stuff so um what's your thinking on that at the moment are you, are you thinking of kind of potentially saving i don't know four premium price points across your team to rotate in and out for captaincy and for that like you know you know for three for ones and things yeah I, if i take out the defenders because i think i would just sit and stick with the defenders um i'm thinking kind of three positions into two so um, two attacking premiums, I think, that I'll have as opposed to three. So whether that's Kane, Son, Salah, Haaland, I think it's going to be, going to be two of those. And, and whether I use transfers to rotate those or transfers to pick in um, kind of that budget enabler when it when it like when they finally emerge um, after two or three game weeks. Yeah. Um, I think I think a use of kind of three or four transfers, perhaps with a couple of rotations and a, uh, perhaps a couple of players that I know that I'm going to want in longer term that emerge from the first two or three game weeks. I think that's going to be the rough way that I'm going to go. Yeah, I agree. Um, on the, oh, sorry, sorry. You, you go. On, the, on the man of the match point as well, from last season, defenders got only 19% of man of the matches, forwards got 28%, goalkeepers only 6%, and midfielders 47%. Wow. So you can see a lot of midfielders are going to be hampered by this. Okay. Uh, for those who've joined us late, just to say apologies, no, the video quality isn't the best. Um, having some lag for some reason, um, hopefully the audio is making up for it. Um, but um, if it does get to a point where it is unwatchable, please let us know in the chat. But hopefully it's staying okay at the moment. Okay, let's have a look um, at some other players then, Paul, you got your eye on. Yeah, yeah so you are mentioning there about uh, perhaps the re-strategizing to go big at the back. And that's something that we always talk about, but this might even be even more prevalent now this prevalent this, prevalent this season <laughs> than it was in, pre in previous seasons. Those five players up on screen, so we've got Hugo Lloris, Ederson, Laporte, Robertson and Van Dijk. Want to um, hazard the guess of why those five players are, are shown there, Fergie? Stats-based. Stats-based, are they? I wasn't sure yeah. stats-based. I thought... Um, I thought they were up there because they were five players who are not quite in that top premium expensive bracket. You could maybe go and down, but stats based. Um, no, I don't know. But so so all appearances, five players, appearances. So, so all five players scored over two hundred points last season, and didn't pick up a single man in the match award. Wow. Okay. So again, highlighting, you know, there's three defenders there from the premium teams, like two Liverpool, one Man City. They won't be hampered at all by the reduction of the man of the match points if you're using a value-based model to, to look at their performance from last season. And again, showing value in two premium goalkeepers as well, highlighting the fact that perhaps we perhaps we overlook premium goalkeepers in this game and, and always look for the saves bonus from, from players further down the league. I agree. I think I think the keepers then we did have a question around you know strategy over keepers and especially with the you know especially with the um no man of the matches now again I, I just I just feel like I wouldn't want to go without a premium keeper I don't see the need it saves on transfers the only time you could you know maybe do it is where you know Nick Pope and you know and, and others historically Martinez the season before have historically performed really well, you know, with with captaincy and stuff. But I just, I, I still don't think it's enough in it. And 
the only way I'll not be having a premium keeper is if I'm trying to just, you know, eke out, uh, I don't know, 0.5 million to get the, the, the perfect outfield team. But even then, it's going to take a lot for me to go not without Alisson or Edison, I think, personally. What are your thoughts on keepers yeah. still? I know, I know we... I know we cross swords on this, don't we, sometimes? Yeah, I think the only one that I might be... I mean, Alisson's a standout for me based on... He's not on here because he picked up a Man in the Match award, but the fact that he picks up or was picking up saves bonus in regularity along with his uh, clean sheets bonus as well that um, I'd, I'd consider Alisson. Um, I also like Dean Henderson. He's only 6.5 million. Forrest covers a couple of captaincies early. Forest do look a good defensive team and have been like have back to back clean sheets in pre season as well. Um, I don't know how like if Yates is apparently out at the start yeah, of season. He, he plays in defensive midfield position. I know they've just signed a couple of they've signed Toffolo, who's a left back from Huddersfield, and uh, O'Brien from Huddersfield as well, who's a, who's a decent player. I don't know if, um, how how Yates being out will impact them defensively. Um, I think Scott McKenna is really overrated, but that's my Scott. Like, haven't watched them play in Scotland more than anything else. But um, yeah, we've seen what Henderson did when he played for Sheffield United that season that, that the Blades came up. So um, Henderson maybe, but I think I'm looking at a premium goalkeeper this year. And um, just you know, talking of Forest, um, obviously Brennan Johnson, uh, the Welshman, seven point two million. You would guess. Just, just due to the lack of budget enablers, uh, sorry, budget enablers available, that he would be quite popular. I would think he's certainly in my draft at the moment. Would that yeah. put you off Henderson? Um, per- perhaps. I guess it's how you're setting up your team. If you do want to go with like an additional premium to what we've said, then there's, you're going to have to put another budget enabler in somewhere. Um, and whether that's uh, the double up to Forest players or finding one really cheap player that's playing perhaps at the kind of 6.5 million in midfield or defence uh, to, to allow you to do that. Um, it's one of two ways. Just now I'm just now I'm set on going premium goalkeeper though, I think, and then um, perhaps two seven-ish million players in my team and then uh, fighting my way out from there. Okay, and, um, and the final change was uh, some player position changes, but you wanted to highlight um, Romero and, and Son as well. Yeah, so this, so this was about how I think that Sky's done a tremendous job of their pricing this season. Um, Romero is potentially the one outlier in that I, I think that they, they probably underpriced them. Um, what I was surprised at is that Eric Dyer's ownership currently is higher than Romero's and he's 0.6 more. Um, so I think that both look kind of locks to play Dyer in the middle and Romero on the right-hand side of the back three. Um, I think he's slightly underpriced and, and hence I expect his ownership to kick on from the 7% that just now. But looking at Son, I mean, I think that's a perfect example of how they've priced the player really, really well because if you look on, well, he's at 32% owned. You, you saw how he finished the season off last season. If they had kept a similar price um, and hadn't uh, changed them or even a positional change, I think the positional change, you're adding in the extra point for uh, for a goal from a midfielder, but it's that whole structure thing that we've that completely changes the dynamic of the, the structure of your team. I, I used to like it when Sterling and uh, Son and Salah, et cetera, were midfielders, and you had Hazard at the time. It, was, it felt like there was a lot more choice in there. 
with KDB and, and others, Bruno perhaps if he picked up a bit of form again. So um I think yeah, I think they've done a, a fantastic job. Increased the, the base of defenders a little bit. So Cancelo's up to eleven million. Um and and the backup defenders, I think they've increased the price of a little bit as well, which is uh helps so that if they do if you do get a run in for perhaps Shalaba from from Chelsea, he's I think he's eight point three. So it's not as not as it's not as easy as could the default and tell me even if you knew he was going to play for the tip in the ten weeks or so. Okay. Um I'm getting a bit of a encoder overload and apologies for this, everyone. Um hopefully it's still uh, watchable. Please let us know um if it is or if it or if or if it isn't. Again a bit a bit of the, the overload warning. Hopefully we can uh carry on. First there was always gonna be something went wrong with the first one, but I didn't think it'd be this. It's normally me messing about and pressing the wrong buttons or forgetting to go live but uh, the fact that the hardware isn't holding up is not it's not great i'm definitely gonna have to get that uh, sorted with the masses of pods we've got coming on um okay uh you also wanted um oh firstly um sorry just before we move on to promoted teams i just wanted to have a chat about um enablers so i i've got to say so i haven't done um a whole lot of research yeah i've done I've, I've done a bit but i'll be doing it i'm uh, i'm away on holiday next week uh, so i'll be kind of sitting by the pool um with my with my ipad and stuff and uh you know and doing a lot of research and things but in terms of enablers i found it quite tough at the moment to find um two or three midfielders or defenders for example who you know who could do a really good job tackle bonus wise yates yates is probably the one we saw right he he looked to be uh, you know kind of nailed onto play a little bit underpriced but it looks like he's going to miss the start of the season um have you have you spotted any others at the moment who you've you know who've got your eye on i mean i think this is another example of why sky's priced players really well like they've they've increased the base of finding a playing player for the cheapest like you know, when it was down at the high fives or or low sixes. And I think the, the cheapest players, that I, the starting players that I've found are around about 6.5, a couple at 6.4, and a, a few higher than that. I do like uh, Paulinha from Fulham. Yeah. Uh, he played, I think it was 27 games last season, scored three goals, averaged three tackles per game. Um, he was playing for Fulham today. And they did pay, I think it was 18 million for him. So, um he comes in at 6.6, I think, but it's really, he's going to play in a defensive midfielder role. Yes, he might pick up the tackling bonus, but he might get booked a lot. And my preferred formation, definitely 5-3-2, mentioned it before. Um, it does lead to a little bit of inflexibility because your first transfer, if you're swapping formation, always has to be a defender out. But with 5-3-2, I wouldn't want to be putting a budget midfielder in that if something happens and I want to get rid of, that I would have to move directly to another budget midfielder when there's perhaps not going to be anyone that emerges at that price. Yeah. Um, so it does, for me, it, it feels a trap if you're going 5-3-2, but uh, Polina could be a, a good option if sitting on a 4-5-1 kind of or a 4-4-2 formation. Um, Forrest's new signing up front, um, ex-Liverpool boy, he's 7 million. Um, he could add, he could be good value. 
And I know that Kamara, 6.8 from Aston Villa. Yeah. I think he impressed on his debut, but there's nothing much more there than potential tackle bonus. So, um, again, it's whether you're you're happy picking up the kind of two, three, maybe even four points average per game without having any spikes at all. It doesn't feel like he's got even the attacking threat of a Norgard who's doing well at set pieces is on, on top of um, his uh, consistent tackle bonus. Good stuff. Um, okay, you wanted to have a chat about the promoted teams, Paul. Take it yeah. away. Yeah. yeah, so I was looking at the past three seasons and seeing how the top goal scorer for each of the promoted sides did, like, fared in their first league in the prim- uh, first season of the Premier League. So back in the 18-19 season, uh, Norwich, Sheffield United and Aston Villa were all promoted. So for Norwich, Puke scored 29 goals. Following season in the Premier League, scored 11. I think 11 or 12 is kind of like, I would consider that a good return. Anything less is probably not going to interest me from a fantasy perspective. Sheffield United was Billy Sharp. He scored 23 goals. He only scored three in the Premier League. Didn't play too much. Tammy Abraham scored 26. Um, He went back to Chelsea and scored 15 goals for Chelsea. So perhaps he's not the best, perhaps removing him from from the... uh, like from, like, like from the analysis, it probably makes sense. So, um, nineteen twenty season, uh, Leeds promoted. Bamford scored sixteen. He actually scored more goals the following season in the Premier League. Uh, funnily enough, uh, West Brom. It was Charlie Austin and Hal Robson Canu who both scored ten in the Championship, and neither really made an impact in the Premier League. Both ended up getting loaned out further on through the season. And I had Fulham, um, so Mitrovic scored 26 goals, and then he only scored three in the Premier League the following season. And then moving on to the 2021 Championship season, we had Puke got promoted again with Norwich, scored 26 goals, uh, scored 26 goals, and then scored 11 in the Premier League. So again, he repeated his 11, so I would class that as a success. Uh, Watford, Ismail Assar scored 13 in the championship and then scored five in the Premier League. And Ivan Tony for Brentford scored it was 33 in the championship and then in the Premier League went on to score 12. So I would say that Ivan Tony, Banford and, Char- uh, and Timo Buke twice were su- relative success. So was that four out of... Four out of nine, four out of eight, maybe, if I take away the Tammy Abraham situation. So I guess there is there is value to be had in picking one of those players, perhaps, as your budget enabler. Um, so this season would be your Brennan Johnson. He uh, I think he scored 18 goals last season and was on was on penalties. So you'd mentioned him earlier on, Fergie. And uh, other options would be Mitrovic again. He only scored three the last time he came up. You got to think that he's probably like even if he starts the season off poorly, I think that he'll be he'll be in that full-on side. Um, and then you've got Dominic Solanke from Bournemouth. Um, if I was picking one of them, would, like Mitrovic is going to be the favourite, but seven point seven. Like, I don't know that that's not a little bit expensive for players that aren't really like like a style of player, you know top goal scorer from a championship side that's coming up. Um, even if you even if you look at Ivan Tony last year, he finished near the top of the point scoring charts, but seven 
he got seven man of the match awards. So that was 21 points. And then I remember we all captained him on the first day of the season. So that was one of his man of the match points. So that was doubled. So if you think about all the points we're picking up for the man of the matches, I'm kind of on the fence a little bit. I wouldn't steer any way, anyone away from picking one of those players, but for me having like a Brennan Johnson and perhaps a Mitrovic or Anders Solanke or um, another championship-level striker, it's maybe a bit poor to call championship-level striker, but a, a striker coming up from one of the championship side, I would maybe steer away from them. Yeah, it's interesting. And I suppose the difference, obviously, this year to last year is, you know, Son, Salah, etc. have gone back as midfield as well. So there's actually a bit more kind of room room up front, wasn't there, as there, you know, as there wasn't last year. We did, you know, we didn't often go to that premium route, but if you wanted to go Kane, Salah and um Ronaldo last year for a you know, you know for a time, wasn't it? But yeah, it's definitely free. I I've never really I, I say that I've picked some right plonkers up front before. But never I don't think I've ever really gone for a I'm trying to think, a promoted Team strike, maybe for like an odd captaincy, but I do wonder this year just just by looking at the you know the 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 lack of of budget enablers that I can currently see. Obviously, we'll learn more, right? We're still like two and a half weeks to start of the season. There there could be an injury to someone, you, you know. Um, if Sinchenko goes to Arsenal, as Muti's going to start every week, suddenly there's an eight million player, you know, kind of unlocked there, which would be good. And maybe you know you may not need two really sort of cheap enablers but it's really good to keep an eye on these sorts of players um johnson for me is the one i think i'm interested in i think i think the fact that he's a midfielder as well he kind of you can almost just hide him away and he you know even if he scores kind of seven or eight goals this season i think for his price just hidden away you know he may he may do a fairly very decent job and he's going to go on you know a spell where he maybe scores a brace you know you know maybe gets a goal you know golden assist or something which you you probably wouldn't get from uh many other enablers um yeah really good uh stuff there paul thanks for that um, analysis and um on to bonus magnets yeah so so i guess it goes without saying that when players come up from the championship you perhaps expect them their passing, their average passing to go down slightly because they're playing against better opposition, and their average shots per game to go down again because they're playing against um, better, better opposition. But from a tackle perspective, I think it's always uh, a thought that well, you should get those players that tackle should get a higher tackle rate because they're playing against better opposition. So I, I started thinking about it, and I was is that definitely the case, or is it that There'll be nowhere closer to, enough to the ball to make any to make any tackles, and I, and I really didn't know the answer to the question. So what I wanted to do is look at four players that have come up from the championship over the last two or three seasons that have done really well for tackle bonus in the Premier League, and what did their tackle bonus or what what was their tackle stats like for in, in the championship prior to coming up? The example you mentioned Yates, Ryan Yates earlier on, so he was six point five, um, 44, 44 games for. Not a Forest last season, scored eight goals. Every time I watched him, he looked a bit of menace um, at set pieces as well. Um, he averaged 1.9 tackles per game. And I've seen a thread on Twitter or something like that saying, oh, well, that doesn't really stand out as something that would be good for the Sky tackle bonus. You need to achieve four, four tackles to, to get bonus. Um, so 
I've looked at Norgard, McGinn, Dallas and Ailing, who have all done well for, for tackle bonus in the Premier League since coming up and looked at their, their history. So first, um, I'll, st- I'll leave Norgard to last because I guess he's most uh, kind of in our minds from being last season. So Ailing's uh, two... His last championship season, he only averaged 1.8 tackles per game in the 35 games he played. And in the two Premier League seasons since, he's averaged 2.8 tackles per game. So we've seen him pick up tackle bonus. That, like, that's um, those, those stats back that up. But again, in the championship, it was only 1.8. So if you're looking at thinking he wouldn't get regular bonus in the Premier League, that's changed a bit. Dallas, in, the last, in his last season in the championship, 2.2 then 1.9 in the Premier League and then 2.7 in the Premier League the following season. So first season did take a little bit of dip. And that was the season that everyone had him and he was doing well, but he was getting, he got he scored a few goals and he got assists as well. So maybe he didn't do as well for tackle bonus as what I had in my mind. He was, season he was playing up. all over the place. He was play, like, yeah. like if he's playing at right back, he's probably not going to get as many opportunities at tackles as he is like in, in yeah. centre midfield, for example, is he? And then John McGinn, so in his last season in Championship, I think he only did one season in Championship for Villa, um, 2.1 tackles per game. In the following two, two seasons, the Premier League kind of dropped off quite a bit, so 1.9, 1.6. And then last season, he was almost rivaling Norgard in terms of his tackles per game, so three three tackles per game and, and picked up quite a, quite a bit of bonus last season, McGinn. Um, and then looking at Norgard, so Norgard was the most interesting for me and he'll be fresh in everyone's mind. I think he made the most successful tackles out of everyone in the Premier League. I think Cancelo was up there. But, um, I, I could be wrong, um, but he definitely was up there and he was top at one point. Um, so in the Championship in 1920, he made 2.7 tackles per game. So, so that looks pretty strong. Last season in the Championship, he did only play 16 games, but he was only averaging 1.7 tackles per game. So... You and I, I wouldn't have looked at that and if I'd look at, been looking at that season in isolation thinking, oh, he's going to come up and absolutely smash it in the Premier League. And then last season, 35 games, 3.1 tackles per game. So I definitely think that there is trends that that increasing by around about one tackle per game um, and, and looking at those players that do make a lot of tackles. If you factor, factor that into any kind of model that you've got for, for trying to base value around players, um, as a, as a fair assumption. So I guess in summary, if Yates was available at the start of the season, I would suspect his 1.9 tackles per game would increase quite a bit. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying I would definitely pick him, but it does suggest that he would pick up the odd tackle bonus to, to go along with the appearance points and perhaps odd attacking returns as well. Lovely stuff. Um, just to catch up uh, with a chat, uh, Darren says Dyer looks more nailed for bonus than Romero. I do think a double up is not out of the question there. Just in, ter- you know, in terms of their price, you also expect Spurs to you know, improve again under Conte. Fixtures are pretty good. Um, Bert says, like Dyer with Bissouma uh, sat in front of him. That, that's, it's going to be interesting to see who who drops out for Spurs in midfield out of Hoiberg, Bissouma and Bentancur because uh, Bentancur was was playing really well at the end of last season as well. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Uh, Craig Smart says, Christensen looks good for 7.2, good early fixtures. Um, and Steve's cheek, camera for Villa, 6.8. Uh, Amandeep says, thinks Forrest have got the best neighbours. Henderson, McKenna, Nico Williams, Johnson and their new striker. Uh, Darren says, could get Fofana or Botman for that price. Haven't really looked at those, to be honest. Botman is um, obviously Newcastle's new sign. You expect them to be quite decent this season as well. Um, 
And uh, Ian uh, says, Forest also the only side currently with back-to-back uh, Monday night and Friday night games will have one of them, if not now, I would I would expect. So moving on nicely uh, from that, actually, we, we did have, a, a, we had loads of questions. Thank you so much, Evan, you know, for, for those who sent them in. We're obviously not going to be able to get to all of them, but I've tried to pick out a few of the trends, and one of them was off Ian, actually. Really good question was about how far to plan ahead when building a game at one team, because this is quite new to us all in Sky, right? Because I think the first overhaul has been in for, what, three or four seasons now? So anyone who's played... You know, anyone who's only played a season or two are not going to be used to having to build their team for, you know, the first half of the season. So what are your early thoughts on how far to plan ahead, Paul? Yeah, well, well I'd mentioned my, like, my tactic that I think that I'm going to deploy in that I'm going to just look to the first three games. And then um, I, won't be, I won't be picking players from pure sides that don't have any base points. So... If, I, if I'm looking at any defenders, I won't. I never pick a defender based on fixtures anyway. I pick them on value, um, consistency in which they hit tiers, and then clean sheet potential, even more so than attacking attacking threat. So um, when I say I'll be picking my team for the first three weeks, it'll be perhaps setting up with any of the single game days, the, the forest the forest game day, and then just. The, the, the players that return bonus often, but I won't be against making some switches between heavy hitting attackers to, um, to take punts on, on captaincy options and also um, making two or three moves perhaps after two or three weeks, getting one enabler in that I think is going to do really well the season that kind of emerges from that period of time and also just to kind of reshape my team so that I then build the team after three game weeks that'll last me another five or six game weeks. I'm quite surprised you said that, to be honest. I would have, I would have thought, you know, again, just looking at it as a as a telegraph game because it's you know incredibly similar now. When I I set up for the telegraph, I know you're the same. We don't really look, even look at the early fixtures. Obviously, you need a captaincy. That's that goes without saying. But I think the way I'm going to set up my team is is just going to be to big. To, sorry, to pick the best Sky assets um, that I think, you know, obviously, of, you know, who, who offer really good value, not really look at fixtures other, other than captaincy. Um, but, you know, like Van Dyke is probably a good example of, a, you know, he's going to be a superb Sky asset this season. I don't, I don't care what his fixtures are like. I think Liverpool's are pretty decent, but regardless if they weren't, I think I would have him, I would have him in because he's the kind of player who can score well in any game anyway and once you have him you won't get rid of him will you um yeah. but i think i'm, I'm definitely going to pick probably you know nine maybe nine or 10 of my team are going to be just looking at the sky players and then obviously you know you need to you know if it's a forest player for example you need a captaincy for a certain day maybe Jesus on game week one is you know is someone which you know depending depends on his ownership is when you're going to have to have but yeah think, think yeah. quite differently there I don't know well I don't know I think I think I think that I'm saying the same as you and that I agree so say so say we had eight or nine players that you'd expect to be in your team for for long periods that, that those two or three players um, I would pick maybe around the seven to eight million mark um, or perhaps I go for one budget enabler and two a little bit more expensive to balance out the team 
and pick those based on fixtures for the first three weeks. And whilst making a couple of uh, heavy hitter ch changes to um, take care of the captaincies, then use those three positions to restructure. Perhaps the one enabler comes out and then the two sevens go up to eights because there's a couple other bonus magnets that have emerged at that point. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, Dan asked, uh, what about Jesus on the opening night? What do it so as it stands, obviously? Jesus has looked pretty sharp in pre-season. All the comments uh, from um, from Arteta are incredibly positive about him playing you know, really up front in that number nine role. I would probably guess to be on penalties as well. That is just a guess. I don't know. But what are your thoughts, um, Paul, on, on Jesus for game week? Well, bear in mind, he's, I was looking. I, I don't really massively fancy him for away to Palace on the opening on the opening week he may get a goal right but the fixtures after are very are very good for Arsenal aren't they so I was, I was looking at his price and thinking if you have him for game week one maybe you can move him on after a week or two but they have quite quite a few decent fixtures but nine and a half million I think that's a lot of money to put on Jesus bearing in mind the man of the match has gone because as I say even if he score even if he scores his goal now seven points Eight points, maybe, is is probably a ceiling. Even if he gets his goal, what do you think? So I'd thought about starting with Gabriel instead of Gabriel Jesus. Yeah. The, the, There's a lot of Gabriel. The, the three Gabriels play for Arsenal, right? I think. Now. I think there's four. Well. Isn't there four? Have I just made that up? I'm sure there was four. Anyway, it don't matter. Um, but they priced him really, really well this season. It's just just over nine, and. He picked up four man of the matches as well, Gabriel, last season. So, if you, you know, if you start taking that off his season total, it perhaps doesn't look as, as great as it does on the surface. He still would have then scored 184 points. So, so, so it is pretty good. I just, um, I don't know, Palace isn't a great game for picking up passing bonus in as well. And it kind of put me off Gabriel having the Arsenal player in there for the captaincy. I just think on that ownership point of... Um, Point in isolation, I uh, I'm a kind of low risk kind of sky fantasy player, so yeah. I probably will start with Jesus because uh, well his ownership's over forty percent just now, and I'll, I I reckon what Dan's saying, I, I reckon it'll be more like sixty percent on the opening day of the season. Obviously, you have to bear in mind that that is the whole the population of sky managers, you know, and and obviously a lot yeah. of them don't don't uh, tune into this podcast. But um, yeah. yeah, I'm I'm not I'm not so sold at the moment, just because even if he gets his goal and gets a couple of shot bonus, it's only 14 points, and you know his fixtures are reasonably favourable. I think it's probably fair to say, but it's a lot of money I think for you know an Arsenal forward. Arsenal, you know, okay, Arsenal, are, Arsenal, are pretty decent going forward, but. You know, Aubameyang was a bit different maybe a couple of seasons ago, but more recently they haven't been, you know, renowned for their goal scoring the capabilities. I do wonder whether that nine and a half million could go on. You know, I'm sure there's plenty of central defenders who would hoover who, a um, passing bonus every week. Who would you consider? Would, is it in any universe, would you consider going without a, an Arsenal player? Don't think I go without an Arsenal player because I do think that the centre backs are probably really good value anyway. And defensively, I think they're okay, even though they finished the season 
you know, pretty poor, poor in the fair. I don't, I, I don't think they had a clean sheet. Did they? They may have had like one in the last kind of eight game weeks or something. But I not like I like the Gabriel shout. I, I missed him last season, and he's always always on the pass. He's quite dangerous off corners as well. And I think I think he scored a couple of headers. I think I think I think he scored in his debut, didn't he? He scored in his debut. I, I, I can't remember. Against Fulham, against Phil, against Fulham on opening day of the season. Yeah, I, I just think even if Jesus gets his goal, um, and gets seven points, say right. Gabriel concedes, but gets passing bonus, which he may or may not against Palace. I saw four or five points, and you're going to want to hold Gabriel probably longer term than you would oh. Jesus. Is my I, I think that man of the match thing double. is quite big. Double, yeah, double, yeah. So oh, seven to right, fourteen yeah, yeah. is five to ten. It's only four yeah, points yeah, difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and as we know, when we look back at our seasons at the end of the season, we looked at these moves that we like simply have to do them, but we know, right, that 4 points, 6 points, 8 points, 10 points is not going to it's not going to define your start or even your season. Like, um, It's going to need Jesus to to score a brace to, you know, to kind of really set the world alight there. But yeah. anyway, just it might, uh, but it, might, it might also be a structure thing, though. Like, uh, it's fair. I made the example earlier on saying that I still think five three two is the best formation. Well, well, I start with that. Not hundred percent sure, but in my latest draft, I'm on five three two. And we're talking about premiums. I said I'll definitely start with Salah. So I don't think that's uh, giving you away, <laughs> giving giving away anything. Insight. And he's, Hashtag insight. And, and he's a he's a midfielder now, as is Son. If I was to start with Son, so to fit in a five three two formation. It might be easier to fit Gabriel Jesus in it than it would be to fit Gabriel in as well. That's fair. It sounds strange because there's five spots for defenders and two for strikers. I'm just not convinced that I would want two strikers from the pool of strikers, um, knowing that I would have Salah midfield, and I've already talked about only having two premium attackers. Fair. Um, a few other questions we had around um, Haaland. We had quite a few around Haaland and. And what do we think of him? Um, obviously, away to West Ham uh, on the Sunday, I believe. Uh, I, 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 I don't know his ownership, but I'm guessing it's probably incredibly high. Um, obviously, home to Bournemouth, I think, the following weekend as well, which is probably what people have more got their eye on. But yeah. what, are your initial, what are your initial thoughts on Haaland and specifically against Kane and Son, bearing in mind Salah is probably a lock? Yeah, it's, quite, it's, it's a tough decision. But I, th- I think that he's well equipped to fit well into the Premier League. He's, I don't think that you've got that bedding in aspect that you've got others about like, like different, learning a different language, learning the pace. I think uh, um, I think his style and physique will fit in, fit in well in the Premier League as well. It's, a, it's frustrating that you can't see starting lineups. Um, I mean, he could easily start on the bench against West Ham, or there was a few Twitter rumours that he was injured just now, but then someone else said he was in training yesterday, so I'm not sure um, what, what truth there is to come out of that, but um, what would be what would be interesting for me is that if it's kind of Haaland or a Cancelo, like, where's the balance there? I, I'm still not, I'm not like, 
I don't often sit on the fence, but I'm really not sure. Who would you captain? Who would you captain away to West Ham, Haaland or Cancelo? If I, if I had both of my team, yeah. I'd, probably captain, I'd probably captain Haaland, but only because I think he'll be more, more captain by more people. Fair enough. It worked, it worked, it worked last season. It did work last season. Even though you stuck around 30th for, for, for all season, it did It did work, to be fair. I know you won, I know you won all your mini-leagues, didn't you? Okay. Um, have you got any um, final points at all, Paul, that you've picked out of the questions or you've got anything else to share at all? Because uh, one resolution we're going to try and do this is try and keep every podcast under an hour if we can and not and not waffle. Yeah. So what's your thinking, Paul? Is there is there anything else you want to kind of finish up with? Yeah, so so defenders. I've mentioned this before. I like, I like a, a base point, a, a, like a starting point from defenders of kind of four or five points from passing bonus as opposed to two. So I, there was a question about Fafana. I think if Fafana comes out, like Leicester's not in Europe this season, so if it does look like Fafana's first choice for Leicester, I think that he'll be brilliant value. I think he's at 7.4 or 7.5. Um, the other teams, we've discussed some of this before, the other teams that get that often get bonus outside of the big teams um, would be Brighton, although that did tail off at the end of last season, and I think it's because they moved to a back four instead of a back five. So it'll be interesting to see how, how they line up and whether or not... I've all, always, always liked Lewis Duncan, Sky fans football. I think he's always uh, he's always served me well when I've won them. I think seven point um, nine is quite cheap as well, isn't it? And he's got he's got yeah, real attacking I, threat as well, haven't he? Yeah, but then I don't see him in that many Twitter drafts. I know that there's a Twitter bubble, but but I but if you look at the end of last season and, and where he was getting bonus, there wasn't that he wasn't picking up too much bonus. I think Brighton's a team that I want to keep my eye on, as is Crystal Palace. Crystal Palace ha- have really poor opening fixtures. But I think that Gehi at eight million and Joachim Anderson at seven point nine million will be good value over the course of the season. Yeah. That could be a move that I do as one of those connection ones that I mentioned. Like it's not, it's not I'm probably going back on what I said because I said I wasn't playing fixtures. But the fact that their fixtures are so bad to start with, that I would rather use the budget elsewhere and to to fill things out and then move to a Palace uh, defender uh, around that uh, price bracket. Um, yeah, so Leicester. Crystal Palace and Brighton are the three teams that I probably won't start with one of the players, or it's likely that I won't start with one of the players, but one defences that I think could come good very quickly, and hence I'd, I'd want to, to make the jump on quickly. I think it would also be differentials. Brilliant stuff. Thank you, Paul. Um, and to finish up, I'll put you on the spot. I'm not going to ask you to name, name your draft, but could you give us a kind of rough indication of what your, your team sort of structure looks like at the moment. You said like uh five three two. How many premiums have you got and what's your what's the general sort of structure of your team? Yeah, five five three two, two premiums, solid defence of those that pick up um are expected to pick up bonus. And then one budget midfielder. I've got yeah. So the one difference, so people wonder, like, how, how can you make that? How can you make that squad of hundred million? And it's the fact that on the premiums, I've went a little bit. I, I've trimmed off the top of the premiums almost, if you like. So I've got four or five defenders that I think will be really good for bonus, but they're pro- perhaps not as expensive as the Van Dykes and Cancelos. Oh, that's interesting. Um, yeah, 
and you and you say this all the time, Paul. And you're probably right. It's it's hilarious because we don't really want to kind of you know share our teams per se. But judging by the commentary of, uh, of what you just said, I've, I've already got probably a pretty good idea of like <laughs> probably eight eight of your team based on what. I don't I don't mind people working out my <laughs> working out my team from listening to us jibber jabber on yeah. for an hour or an hour and a half. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm not a kind of like team reveal type no. type content, you know. Fair enough. Um, thank you so much, Paul. Uh, just to say that um, I am I'm on holiday next week. Um, I know I shouldn't be on holiday a week before the season starts, but obviously, uh, well, I say, I say obviously you wouldn't know. Uh, we've had this holiday plan for like a couple of years. It's obviously been bounced on and bounced on. And uh, I had a, bit, a big argument with my family who were coming, my extended family around, I can't go in August. So we find, you know, we, we, we compromise. I go the last week of... July, thinking the season would start second week in August, as it normally does, and obviously it starts a week early. So uh, I, I am off off next week. So what we're planning uh, from a Sky Pod view for the next couple of weeks, um, I come back on Sunday the thirty first of July. So Monday the first of August, uh, which is two weeks today, uh, we will do a pod in the day. We will obviously look at you know we'll know a lot more about that point. Right, will be four days. Uh, from the kickoff, um, so we will we will do a pod on Monday, the first of August, in the day, and we will also do a bonus pod on Thursday, the third of August, in the day as well, just to make sure that we get the absolute last minute up to date information, um, you know, and uh, and share and share as much as you know as we as possibly can. So um, thank you so much for everyone who's joined us today. We've had we've had a packed lobby. Great to see so many of you. Uh, back with us this year we we have missed you um thank you so much you continue support is much appreciated uh paul where can people find you uh, on twitter at paul mcanulty one mca in and my handle on twitter is at ffh underscore fergie so this podcast and video will be on the fantasy football hub sky and tff youtube channel we'll also be recording a tff um video hopefully this week as well so that will be on this channel as well um, also available on all major podcast platforms don't don't forget please press like uh, please subscribe if you, if you haven't already um, our handles on twitter instagram and tiktok are at ffh underscore hq uh, you can also find us uh, paul and i at ffh underscore sky please follow uh, our website is fantasyfootballhub.co.uk you can get 50% off now the very best fantasy resources around don't forget if you play fpl and you don't win your fpl mini league you will get your money back t's and c's apply but go and take a look at that 50% off now all our plans half price go and join up to the hub if you haven't already you don't know what you're missing um you you will win your mini leagues it is it is simple as that um, as I've already mentioned, uh, we'll be back on Monday the 1st and Thursday the 4th of August. Uh, we'll delve into more detail then. Until then, uh, stay safe. Apologies apologies for the video. I need to get that fixed this week. Uh, but stay safe um, and goodbye for now.